Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with R.A. Spratt. Today we've got a special episode because my publisher has given me permission to read a chapter from one of my books because it's for Easter and this chapter is about Easter. So I'm going to read chapter five from Nanny Piggins and the Rival Ringmaster and chapter five is called Nanny Piggins and the Ghosts of Easter. All right, here we go. Don't you just love Easter, beamed Nanny Piggins. As far as holidays go, it's got everything going for it. Fresh flowers, ostentatious hats, and of course, chocolate. Nanny Piggins smiled an even bigger smile before skipping happily towards the kitchen. Yes, Easter, said Derek. Lovely, said Samantha. Couldn't be nicer, said Michael. Always a favourite, said Boris. Once the door swung shut, the children huddled around Boris to talk tactics. Right, what are we going to do, asked Boris. We tried locking her in the cellar last year and that didn't work, said Michael. We should have seen it coming, said Samantha, shaking her head. We all know how good she is at tunnelling. We could lock her in the attic, suggested Derek. She's a flying pig, exclaimed Boris. She isn't going to let a little thing like a double brick wall and an eight metre drop keep her from the biggest chocolate eating day of the year? What if we locked her in a safe first, suggested Samantha, then lock the safe in the attic? That's no good, said Boris. My sister can get out of a safe faster than you can get out of a pair of leather trousers. Takes quite a long time to get out of a pair of leather trousers, said Derek. He knew this because he'd had an English teacher who'd made him play an Austrian goat herder wearing lederhausen in the school pantomime. My point exactly, said Boris. We can't just let her run loose like she did last year, said Samantha. She's scared children. She's scared adults, said Derek. And she made the police sergeant cry, added Boris. And she ate so much chocolate, she was in a sugar-induced coma for three days, added Michael. Why don't we try reasoning with her, suggested Samantha. Ha! scoffed Boris. Being Russian, he was very good at making these sorts of guttural noises. She'd never listened to reasoned arguments when she could be eating a chocolate egg. The children had to nod sadly at the truth of this. If only there was some way we could show Nanny Piggins the effect she has on other people when she rampages through the neighbourhood wildly gobbling chocolate, said Michael. I've got it, exclaimed Derek. Got what? asked Boris. Not lice, I hope. It's all right for you humans because you've only got hair on your heads. But when you're a bear with lice, scratching is a full-time job. No, I've got an idea for how we can help Nanny Piggins. Does it involve a blowgun and elephant tranquilizers? asked Michael. No, although perhaps we should have those on standby in case my plan doesn't work, said Derek. What's your idea? asked Samantha. Well, said Derek, we've been reading Charles Dickens at school. Oh, you poor boy, sympathised Boris, wrapping Derek in a big bear hug. Why didn't you say so earlier? Dickens writes such horribly thick books and with such difficult big words. No wonder you've been looking wan lately. No, what I mean is we've been reading A Christmas Carol, said Derek, through a mouthful of Boris's fur. The story of Scrooge. 
Oh, that's not such a bad book, said Boris, letting Derek go. It's much shorter than the others, and it's got ghosts in it, so it's very exciting. That's right, said Derek, and the ghosts come to Scrooge in the night and show him how awful his behaviour is at Christmas. So we should do the same thing for Nanny Piggins, said Michael, catching on. We could use ghosts to show Nanny Piggins what her Easter behaviour is like. But where are we going to find three ghosts, asked Boris. I only know one, and he isn't very agreeable. All he ever says is boo or We'll be the ghosts, announced Derek. Boris grabbed Derek and hugged him again, almost but not quite breaking all his ribs. I admit that my sister's Easter excesses need to be stopped, but I will absolutely not allow you to jump in front of a bus just so you can become a ghost and reenact a parable from 19th century literature. It's all right, Boris, squeaked Derek. It's hard to talk when your diaphragm's being crushed. I only meant we could pretend to be ghosts. Oh, said Boris, that's a much better idea. When Nanny Piggins went to bed that night, she was delirious with excitement. She loved Easter so much. Normally, when she was that excited, she could not sleep at all. But on this occasion, she'd been excited all week. So after five nights of giddy anticipation, Nanny Piggins fell into a deep sleep as soon as her head touched the pillow. Now, at this point, I should take a moment to explain Nanny Piggins' annual bout of uncharacteristically selfish behaviour. As anybody who has read Nanny Piggins' adventures knows, she was usually a very generous soul. Even though she loved cake with every fibre of her being, she still, as a point of principle, always, always, always shared. But Easter was her one blind spot. She could not wrap her mind around the concept that a chocolate egg hidden in someone else's garden, in a street and suburb miles away from her own home, was not put there for her. As far as she was concerned, any chocolate left unattended in an open area was free game. As a result, she always ate dangerous amounts of confectionery on Easter Day. And a lot of children had very sad Easters, where they found no eggs and were left thinking that the Easter bunny had been very cruel in hiding his chocolate eggs in extraordinarily difficult locations. I know it does not sound logical, but in Nanny Piggins' defence, it's hard to feel logical when you've eaten seven times your own body weight in chocolate. Now back to the story. Nanny Piggins had been asleep for some time when the window rattled. Boris was standing outside on a ladder, pretending to be a spooky wind by shaking the window frame. Next, a moaning sound came from outside the door. Michael was pretending to be a ghost by reenacting the sounds he made after last Easter's stomachache. Then smoke rolled in under the doorway. Derek was pretending to be an eerie fog by standing outside the door with a pop-up toaster purposely burning toast. Then, among the rattling, moaning and smoke, Samantha made her dramatic entrance. She was wrapped from head to foot in gold tinsel and wearing Mrs Simpson's wedding dress. Mrs Simpson had actually agreed to this because she was so shocked when they asked. Nanny Piggins usually just took things and gave sorry gifts later. "'Whoa!' said Samantha dramatically as she rolled into Nanny Piggins' bedroom on a skateboard. You couldn't see the skateboard because the skirt of the wedding dress was so long it looked like Samantha was floating into the room. Sadly, the spectacular cacophony of homemade special effects was wasted on Nanny Piggins, who continued to sleep soundly. Well, Samantha, even more loudly, but her nanny did not stir. She's not waking up, Samantha hissed to Derek and Michael in the hallway. Try this, said Derek, as he put down his toaster and passed Samantha a chocolate bar. Samantha leaned forward and held the chocolate bar over the bed, then ever so gently rustled the wrapper. 
Nanny Piggins immediately sprang bolt upright. Give me the chocolate, she demanded. Samantha put the chocolate bar back in her pocket. Surprisingly, Mrs. Simpson's wedding dress did have pockets because Mrs. Simpson, or Miss Paraskevopoulos, as she was known at the time, knew that speeches at wedding receptions can be very dull. So she wanted to have a novel on hand for secretly reading under the table. I am the ghost of Easter past, announced Samantha grandly. Really, said Nanny Piggins, because you're the spitting image of the little girl I look after. Have you met her? Her name's Samantha. Samantha decided it was best to ignore her nanny's insightful comment. I am here to show you the Easters that have been, she declared. Come with me. Nanny Piggins scowled. Samantha realised what her nanny was thinking and corrected herself. Please come with me. All right, then, said Nanny Piggins, smiling and jumping out of bed. But it'll have to be quick. I need my Easter sleep. I've got a big day of eating tomorrow. Nanny Piggins led Samantha downstairs. She had to get off the skateboard when she got to the staircase because she didn't want to break her neck or tear Mrs. Simpson's wedding dress. Then she took Nanny Piggins into the living room where the untuned television had been switched on. The black and white pixelated screen hummed and crackled. Oh, goody, said Nanny Piggins. Are we going to watch TV? Because I haven't had a chance to watch the episode of The Young and the Irritable that I taped earlier today. I'm dying to find out if Bethany's eye patch surgery was successful. No, we are going to watch home movies of your Easter's past, intoned Samantha, with as much gravitas as she could muster. So you can see what you have done. A video crackled onto the screen. Michael was operating the remote from behind the sofa. The video showed Nanny Piggins a year earlier, looking fabulous, but not behaving in the most dignified way. More! 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 bellowed the on-screen Nanny Piggins as she ran around a stranger's backyard, grabbing chocolate and chomping it up. Wow, marvelled Nanny Piggins. I think my athleticism when I'm Easter egg hunting rivals even my athleticism when I'm being blasted out of a cannon. Keep watching, instructed Samantha sternly. On the video, Nanny Piggins was eating more and more and more chocolate. It was becoming smeared all over her face, hair and Easter bonnet. Oh dear, said Nanny Piggins. Milk chocolate goes with almost everything, but it does not look particularly flattering with a floral dress. The camera panned across to show two small children crying. What's wrong with those children? asked Nanny Piggins. Why are they crying? You ate their Easter eggs, explained Samantha, still in her ghost of Easter past voice. Their Easter eggs? questioned Nanny Piggins. They were hidden in their garden, added Samantha. Then why didn't they find them and eat them? asked Nanny Piggins, genuinely puzzled. Because children aren't allowed to get up at three o'clock in the morning and go running around in the dark, explained Samantha. They're not, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. I always let Derek, Samantha and Michael do that if they want to. Most parents make their children wait at least until daylight before they start their Easter egg hunt, said Samantha. Really, asked Nanny Piggins. Those poor children. I just assumed that all those eggs had been abandoned by a series of people who had suddenly and unexpectedly been diagnosed with diabetes. Now you know what you have done, said Samantha, sounding as authoritative and dramatic as she could. You may return to bed. Since we're up, how about we watch The Young and the Irritable anyway, suggested Nanny Piggins. No, you must return to bed, said Samantha firmly. Twenty minutes later, Nanny Piggins was again in a deep sleep. Boris and the children had given up trying to wake Nanny Piggins with ghost effects, so Michael dressed up in Mr Green's bedsheet. They had sent Mr Green to bed on a bare mattress, explaining that his sheets had been confiscated by the dirty laundry police, an organisation that doesn't exist but certainly should. Michael marched in and prodded Nanny Piggins with a fire poker while yelling, Wake up! Nanny Piggins stirred. Did you want something, she asked, peering at Michael with bleary eyes. I am the ghost of Easter present, 
announced Michael. Present, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. You're giving me a present. How lovely. I thought that only happened at Christmas. I do love presents. They're almost as good as Easter eggs. There will be no presents, declared Michael before his nanny could get carried away with that idea. Mm, That's a shame, said Nanny Piggins sulkily. I am here to show you what you will do this Easter, intoned Michael. Do I eat lots of chocolate, asked Nanny Piggins excitedly. Oh, yes, said Michael. That is the problem. How can eating chocolate ever be a problem, puzzled Nanny Piggins. Watch and learn, instructed Michael mysteriously. Just then the doors of Nanny Piggins' walk-in wardrobe magically swung open. It wasn't really magic. Derek did it with lengths of fishing line, but it looked magical. Inside the wardrobe, which had been lit up like a Broadway play, stood Mrs. Hesseltine, the chocolatier from the finest chocolate shop in town. Nanny Piggins did not often visit this marvellous establishment because she found her chocolate dollar always went much further in the worst chocolate shop in town. But Nanny Piggins still held the Hesseltine Chocolatorium in the high regard it deserved, which is why it was so distressing for Nanny Piggins to see such an important person as Mrs. Hesseltine loudly weeping. Mrs. Hesseltine, what's wrong? asked Nanny Piggins. She can't hear you, said Michael. Why, has she forgotten to turn her hearing aid on? asked Nanny Piggins. She can't hear you because this hasn't happened yet, explained Michael. This is a vision of what will happen later on today. Oh, said Nanny Piggins, not quite understanding and beginning to feel uncomfortable to be watching such a fine chocolate artist feeling so unhappy. Woe is me, declared Mrs. Hesseltine. Easter is usually my best time of the year, but all my customers are angry with me because someone bought all my chocolate, leaving none for anybody else. But who would do such a thing, asked Nanny Piggins. Alas, alack, wailed Mrs. Hesseltine, who, while being a fine chocolatier, was not a very good actor. I curse the day that the world's most glamorous pig set Trotter inside my store. A pig did it, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. Was it one of my evil, identical 14 uplet sisters? Oh, Nanny Piggins, oh, ho, 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 sobbed Mrs. Hesseltine. Why did you have to ruin my business? It was me, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. But where did I ever find that sort of money? You went on an internet auction site, explained Michael in his ghost of Easter present voice, and sold father, I mean, Mr. Green. What? queried Nanny Piggins. Surely you mean I sold Mr. Green's car or Mr. Green's stamp collection? No, said Michael firmly. You sold Mr. Green. But who would buy him? asked Nanny Piggins. Apparently, a Bavarian business tycoon needed a particularly large paperweight, explained Michael solemnly, and he thought Mr. Green would be perfect. Being heavy enough to hold down a large amount of papers, but biddable enough to get up and sit down again on new papers when told to. So last year, I ate all the chocolate before anyone else could eat any, said Nanny Piggins. And this year, I'm going to buy all the chocolate before anybody else can buy it. Exactly, said Michael. Oh dear, said Nanny Piggins. It's a good job I'm astonishingly beautiful, or I'd be very unpopular. Hey parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts. 
Half an hour later, Nanny Piggins was back in bed and drifted into a much less easy sleep. She was having dreams of weeping children and stubborn chocolate stains that would not come out no matter how hard she scrubbed. This was when Derek entered. Nanny Piggins awoke immediately as soon as she heard the door hinges creak. What do you want? she asked. I'm the ghost of Easter future, said Derek, throwing on a ghostly for good measure. Oh, said Nanny Piggins. Well, if it's all right with you, I'd rather go back to sleep. I don't particularly want to know what happens in my future. Nanny Piggins lay back in bed and pulled the covers up over her head. You must come with me to see the damage you will do, moaned the ghost of Easter future, Derek. Nanny Piggins sighed. I never realised ghosts could be such terrible nags. She got out of bed and put on her slippers. If I have bags under my eyes tomorrow and I look anything less than fabulous, I will know who to blame. You're just lucky you aren't a corporeal being or I'd give your shins a good hard bite. Nanny Piggins followed the ghost of Easter future down to the kitchen. When she pushed open the doors, she saw Samantha, Michael and Boris slumped at the kitchen table wearing nothing but rags. What's wrong? asked Nanny Piggins. Why are they huddling? Why do they look so sad? Oh, woe is me, said Samantha. This must be the worst Easter ever. What happened? Nanny Piggins asked the ghost of Easter past, but Derek did not respond, except to point at Boris, Samantha and Michael. What are we going to do now that our beloved Nanny is in jail? wailed Michael. I'm in jail, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. What for? Cake rustling, tart napping, pudding pinching? There's been no one to look after us ever since she's been imprisoned for Easter egg embezzling, moaned Samantha. What did I do? asked Nanny Piggins. It must have been bad. The police sergeant is usually so very kind about letting me off with warnings. What was she thinking, despaired Michael, trying to divert the entire world's supply of Easter eggs to our house? And now there is nothing to eat, wept Boris. <laughs> Except, he broke down to loud sobs. <laughs> nothing to eat except vegetable stew. Boris picked up a ladle full of grey-green gloopy mess. No! Screamed Nanny Piggins at this horrible sight. The children cried harder. <laughs> Nanny Piggins ran from the room and back up the stairs to her bedroom where she jumped into bed and pulled the covers over her head. I can't let it happen. I can't let it happen, she muttered furtively as she finally collapsed into a troubled slumber. The next morning, Nanny Piggins' alarm went off at 4.50am sharp. This was late for Nanny Piggins. She usually got up at 1.45am on Easter morning, but her visitors of the night had caused her to oversleep. Nanny Piggins leapt out of bed and hurried over to the window, where she threw up the sash and leaned outside. It was still half dark, so there was nobody about except an early morning jogger. "'You there!' called Nanny Piggins. The jogger did not hear her because he was wearing earphones. "'You there!' she called again, this time throwing a hairbrush at the back of the jogger's head to get his attention. "'Ow! What?' asked the jogger, turning around and rubbing his sore head. "'What day is it?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'Sunday,' said the jogger. "'Is it Easter Sunday?' asked Nanny Piggins. "'Ah, uh, yes,' said the jogger. "'Hooray!' cried Nanny Piggins. "'Then I haven't missed it.' "'Can I keep jogging now?' asked the jogger. "'No,' said Nanny Piggins. "'Here, take Mr Green's credit card,' she said "'as she threw the credit card down to him, "'and go to Hesselstein's Chocolatorium "'and buy up all their stock.' "'But I want to go home,' complained the jogger. 
Do I have to come down there, glowered Nanny Piggins, swinging her leg over the window frame, ready to do just that. No, said the jogger, surprisingly intimidated by the diminutive pig. Then do as I say, instructed Nanny Piggins. The jogger turned and walked in the direction of the town centre. You're a jogger, aren't you, called Nanny Piggins? So jog! Come on, move it! Nanny Piggins ran downstairs to the living room. The children were still up. They'd not bothered going to bed after their three-act ghost performance. They thought it best to brace themselves for the onslaught. What are you doing, Nanny Piggins, asked Samantha. What's going on? I'm buying up all the chocolate in town, declared Nanny Piggins proudly. Oh, no, said Michael. But this is exactly the opposite of what our plan was supposed to achieve, said Derek. I blame Dickens, said Boris sadly. Anyone who takes 700 pages to tell a story about an orphan, only to sit down and write another 700-page story about another orphan, obviously has a screw loose. Children, I have a secret to reveal, said Nanny Piggins excitedly, ignoring the strange conversation she didn't understand. Please say you've invented a time machine so we can go back to tomorrow, begged Michael. No, better than that, beamed Nanny Piggins. You know I've been making your father park his Rolls Royce in the street all month. Yes, said the children warily. Well, I was telling him a fib, said Nanny Piggins. Rolls Royces don't need fresh air to clean their catalytic converters. Then why did you make him move his car, asked Samantha. I've been storing something in the garage, said Nanny Piggins with a twinkle in her eye. Let me show you. She led them to the garage and threw open the door. But Boris and the children could not see inside the garage because flush with the doorframe was a wall of Easter eggs of all different sizes and varieties. Dark chocolate, milk chocolate, honeycomb-studded chocolate and chocolate filled with chocolate bits. Please tell me you've simply built a wall of chocolate, begged Samantha. No, said Nanny Piggins. Every inch of the garage is entirely filled with Easter eggs. Nanny Piggins, said Derek sadly, shaking his head. What have you done? I've been stockpiling them since Boxing Day, when Easter eggs first came into the shops, explained Nanny Piggins, which wasn't easy. You know what I'm like with chocolate. I kept eating the stockpile and then having to start stockpiling again. But why did you do it, asked Michael. Don't you get enough chocolate in your day-to-day life? You do eat chocolate nine times a day, before, after, and instead of every meal, added Derek. You can never have enough chocolate, chided Nanny Piggins. I need to keep my energy up for my active lifestyle. The children could not deny that their nanny led an active lifestyle. (sighs) Well, I suppose this Easter will be just like last year then, sighed Samantha. We won't see you till tonight and then you'll come home chocolate-stained and delirious with overeating, only to collapse in the middle of the kitchen floor. Well, that's where you're wrong, said Nanny Piggins proudly. Last night, I was visited by three ghosts. You were? asked the children with mock innocence. Yes, and these ghosts had obviously been reading Charles Dickens, said Nanny Piggins, because they came to teach me a lesson about Easter. Did it work? asked Derek hopefully. Absolutely, said Nanny Piggins. I learned that Easter is not about eating as much chocolate as you can until you're sick. It isn't, asked Boris. While he did not approve of how much chocolate his sister ate, he'd always assumed that this was exactly the reason for the holiday. Easter, announced Nanny Piggins, is about sharing chocolate with others until they are sick. The children frowned as they thought about this. I suppose that is an improvement on your attitude from last year, conceded Samantha. But why did you make that jogger go and buy all the chocolate from Hesselstein's, asked Derek. And why are you showing us your stockpile, asked Michael. Because I've had a brilliant idea, said Nanny Piggins with a big smile. 
An hour later, Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children were standing outside the town hall in the middle of the city centre. Parked alongside them was a big truck from Hesselstein's and alongside that was a removalist truck that Nanny Piggins had hired to transport all the Easter eggs from Mr Green's garage. What are we doing here? asked Michael. I'm going to orchestrate the biggest Easter egg hunt ever, said Nanny Piggins proudly. How? asked Derek. Have you trained a flock of Easter bunnies to hide them for you? asked Boris. No, said Nanny Piggins. Rabbits are okay, but if you want to distribute something much quicker and in every direction, I know a much better method. What are you talking about? asked Michael. Cannon fire, said Nanny Piggins. Look, here it comes now. The children and Boris turned to see Rosalind, the bearded lady from the circus, drive Nanny Piggins' old cannon into the town square. And so Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children spent Easter morning loading the cannon up and blasting eggs into the sky time and time again. And the children of the town awoke to the greatest Easter gift ever, the sight of chocolate eggs raining from the heavens. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children went home very happy. Was it terrible for you not to go on your chocolate-eating rampage this year? asked Samantha. No, actually, it wasn't, said Nanny Piggins, with a smile. While eating chocolate is my very favourite thing to do in the entire world, blasting things out of cannons comes a very close second. But as Nanny Piggins pushed open their front gate, they were greeted by a wonderful sight. The front lawn, and indeed the whole house and back garden as well, were littered with Easter eggs. The Easter Bunny has been, squealed Boris excitedly. Don't be silly, said Nanny Piggins. It must be those nice ghosts rewarding me for my improved behaviour. Now, the children realised it was more likely that these were simply some of the eggs that they had themselves blasted out of the cannon. But they didn't say anything because Nanny Piggins' behaviour had improved and she deserved a treat. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children took off, happily running about the garden, grabbing eggs and eating them, sometimes without even removing the foil. The end. Thank you for listening to this special Easter podcast. If you've enjoyed it and want to support the podcast, then just go to your local bookstore or favourite online bookseller and buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. That's it till next time. Goodbye for now.